From Audio Boom comes Covert, a new podcast that delves into the murky world of spies, soldiers, and top secret military operations. I'm Jamie Rennell, and together we'll discover the real stories of history's greatest classified missions, told by the operatives, soldiers, and journalists who experienced it firsthand. Follow Covert on Spotify or subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite shows. Welcome to Travel First with Chris Coleman and Alex First. Well, if it's cold where you are, then you are in the right place because you are on Travel First. My name's Alex First, and I'm joined each time by Chris Coleman, a man who of late has barely been in his home city. You're a well-travelled individual, Chris. Is this is this old age catching up with you? You uh, figure you've got you've got so many things on your bucket list. There's 197 countries, and you're trying to get through them all. Is that right? It would be nice to get through them all. Uh, you know what they say: travel broadens the mind. Uh, and sometimes, as I'm discovering of late, the waistline. Well, the interesting thing about all of that is that, as a result of what's happened in Britain with the Brexit result, you might need to have an extra stamp in your passport in the not-too-distant future. Well, indeed, and from what I've heard too, and I'm yet to investigate this further, but we should probably do this, I'm told that one of the uh, side effects of the Britain voting to leave the EU is that travel between Australia and the UK and indeed many other places and the UK may get considerably cheaper now because Britain is going to need to do a lot more work to get people to come and visit there because they're no longer going to be the, the gateway to Europe that they have been for many, play, many people. Well, look, lure me by all means. I love London. I love Britain, full stop, quite frankly. And I, I, look, it's the place that most Australians, I mean, it's our heritage, after all, most Australians at some point or another are going to visit. And once you've been there once, I, I can't imagine that you don't want to go there again. It's a wonderful, wonderful place. I am talking about Europe, and we got as far as Stockholm last time and spent a, a few minutes talking about the joys and delights that you see there. I mentioned to you, though, that we flew, my wife and I, from Stockholm to the northernmost town in Sweden, which is called Karuna, K-I-R-U-N-A, and it's in the province of Lapland. You must have heard of Lapland. I've heard of Lapland. Hmm. Well, it was lunchtime when we flew out on a 150-seater plane and we flew from Stockholm Airport and arrived in Karuna. It was founded, by the way, in 1900, Karuna, population of about 20,000. And the city's vicinity shares quite a long history with the indigenous Sami people, that's S-A-M-I, with evidence of at least 6,000 years of settlement. And Karuna quickly became a major centre of iron ore extraction and the mining industry. So we were collected at the airport by a guide from the Ice Hotel. Now, this is a place I have long wanted to visit. Have you heard of the Ice Hotel? I've heard of the Ice Hotel, and I find it somewhat ironic that you're talking at the start of the show about it being cold where you are and colder where I am in Melbourne and Canberra, respectively, as we head into winter. Uh, I think the Ice Hotel, possibly even colder. It's one-upmanship, Chris. That's what this is all about. I mean, it's it's only it must have been negative temperatures there this morning. Uh, it certainly felt like it here, and the wind chill factor definitely pushed it below zero. Nothing on Ice Hotel. 
which, we, by the way, we slept in a room which was made of ice. And that's obviously what the appeal of the Ice Hotel is. Now, now, I've got to ask, how does all this work? You know, they carve this place every year? Yes, they do. They, they carve it from the nearby river. And then when things heat up, so to speak, everything goes back to the river. So you give and take, it's, and it's all very, very natural, which is what I love about it. The circle of life. The circle of life. Uh, what, what's the, what's the, uh, that great show that we talk about on movies first? Uh, the, the circle of life and, uh, and Disney characters yeah, and the, so forth? The Lion King, yeah. The Lion King, exactly. So this isn't quite the Lion King, but I think you'd get a few otters and seals. Anyway, this is a place, the Ice Hotel, where... There are 65 rooms, or there were when I was there, in the cold accommodation, which is shaped like a cathedral, right? And 72 rooms, including chalets and small blocks that contain up to four rooms in the warm accommodation. So even though it's called the Ice Hotel, you can stay in either the cold or the warm climes. And, of course, the great appeal is that you probably do both because... I don't know, have you ever slept in minus five? Uh, I, I, when I was a youngster, did spend some time in the Scouts and we did go off to, when I was living in England, actually, we did go off and camp in Wales. I don't know if it got that cold, but I just remember it being bleak and grey and wet. So I don't know if it got to sub-zero because it was you know, a very long time ago and we were a long way from uh, anything remotely appearing civilised. But I certainly remember being cold and wet. I don't think it was sub-zero, though. No, well, I mean, bear, bear in mind, when I was at the Ice Hotel we did lots of excursions and trips and so forth, it got down to minus 31.5 degrees. Okay, and that's cold. That, yep, that, that was cold. That wasn't in our hotel, which, as I say, I think it, I, I, there was no temperature gauge, but I believe it certainly was a regular. I, somebody said to me minus five. So there we go. But the, the fascinating part to me is when we were being taken back to the airport at the end of our few days at the Ice Hotel and... We basically were saying, oh, it's pretty damn cold out there. The taxi driver said, oh, you wusses, you ain't seen nothing yet. You know, <laughs> it, 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 it only gets really cold when the car engine doesn't start, you know, and then, you know, you get down to minus 50 and temperatures of that nature. Then you know it's cold. So there's, there's always, I, I love the sense of humour that these people have. The, the history of the Ice Hotel, quite fascinating though, Chris, a Swede called Ingvar Barrikvist started an adventure tourism business in the village of Yukas Yavi in the 1970s. Yukas Yavi, by the way, is spelled J-U-K-K-A-S-I-A-V-I. So I-A-R-V-I. There's no way I would ever get that in a spelling test. What was the name of that? Uh, it was a something that exploded, there was a, a volcanic eruption. Yeah, I'm, I'm not trying. I'm no, not even going to have a crack. So uh, this is easy by comparison. Yukus, it's easy easy to pronounce, at least, even if it's not easy <laughs> to spell. Yukus Yavi, very good. In the mid-'80s, this man, Barryquist, Ingeva Barryquist, he and others with whom he began the business, specialising in summer adventure tourism, things like river rafting and hiking and trekking, realised their clients disappeared when the weather closed in. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's perfectly understandable. So in 88, Ingvar began travelling the world to cold climates. He ended up in Sapporo in Japan when he realised what could be achieved with ice carving. 
Well, I can understand that from Sapporo because they have basically two seasons there. Mm-hmm. They have winter and they have August. <laughs> Very good. Well, in 1989, so this was a year later, Ingvar launched a fortnight educational in Yukosyavi to which he invited a couple of Japanese chefs and ice carvers who instructed he and his colleagues in the art of working with ice. Now, the following winter in February, the first snow building was created in an igloo that contained an art exhibition, 60 square metre igloo. And a few years later, by 1992, the first overnight guests arrived. Now, the story was that one of his clients, one of Ingvar Berikvist's clients, wanted to come to Yukosyavi with his staff. Well, unfortunately, the warm accommodation within his adventure tourism business was sold out. So he suggested they may care to stay in the snow building. And appropriate equipment, as commandeered from the military, and that's what happened. They they got this stuff from the military and they were given clear instructions on how to survive in the cold. Now, the next morning after breakfast and a sauna, the staff were pleasantly surprised that the client had been absolutely delighted by the experience. So it's almost by accident that the Ice Hotel emerged based on that story. Happy accident. Pardon me? Happy accident. Oh, very much so. I mean, every year since, it's been carved in November. Takes uh, six to eight weeks to complete the carving. And it's become one of the most sought-after holidays on the planet. So when you arrive, part of your booking includes a buffet breakfast and equipment to cope with temperatures that can plummet to, well, minus 40 and beyond, definitely. Now, that includes a onesie, a one-piece snowsuit. You get heavy moon boots, a pair of mittens, a warm hat and a balaclava. And it's also strongly advised to bring thermal underwear and a pair of thick woolen socks. I didn't do that, Chris. I brought cotton socks. Oh, bless your little cotton socks. Thank you. They were totally inadequate. You knew I was going to go there. You just knew that was I did. I did. I mean, at least I've played into your hands. I feel good about that. So, yeah, I, I had to purchase some socks, basically. Don't worry, though. Like me, if you don't have the right gear, you can buy it at the Ice Hotel. Mm-hmm. So we arrived at four o'clock in the afternoon. We were given a half-hour guided tour of the facility. That included an explanation of the origins of the Ice Hotel, a tour of the Ice Bar. Yes, there is an Ice Bar. And if you're feeling what's cleanliness is next to godliness, there's even an Ice Church, right? So you can go from the bar to the church if you so choose. And apparently the Ice Church is a very common destination for couples wanting to tie the knot. More than 100 do each year. There you go. If, if, if hell is hot, then I suppose it makes sense that it does, you build a church out of ice. Yeah, well, Quite yeah. true, quite yes. true. So as I say, we arrived at 4 o'clock. At 5.30, another guide gave us specific instructions about how to survive in the negative 5 temperature that is nature's permanent gift within the ice hotel. And... It's only, by the way, the hotel itself is only open to those who pay to stay within the cold environment between 6 p.m. and 10 a.m., right? So 6 at night till 10 in the morning. Otherwise, anybody can visit the ice bar and the ice church for free along with entrance to the ice hotel, which, by the way, the entrance is covered in reindeer fur. 
All right. So that's how you know that you're there, basically. Uh, no, I mean, obviously, when you've got this beautiful structure carved out of ice, you, you know you've got there anyway. But, yeah, reindeer fur on the doors of the ice hotel. By the way, if you want to inspect the art suites, though, you have to actually pay an entrance free of around about $65, right? You can get to the ice bar and the ice church for free. You can get sort of uh, the, to, to bits and pieces of the ice hotel. But if you actually want to see the, the suites, which is what I'll, I'll tell you about that in a moment, then you've got to pay. Now, of the 65 cold rooms, 16 are art suites, and that includes a couple of luxury suites. And they're created by visiting artists from around the world who are invited to compete for the chance to create these art suites. And you've got about 150 to 200 artists supplying each year. And we, well, we, we stayed in sort of 2000 and it started 2014, 15. No, we, we, we were there in January 2015. So the hotel had been carved at the end of 2014, 44 artists were chosen of the 150 to 200 that applied from 13 countries. So themes for the art suites while I was there included Prime Mate, which is where we stayed. It featured orangutans and banana plant leaves and a specially carved bed of ice, of course. And before you think you can sleep or you sleep directly on the ice, don't worry. The one thing in the room that is not ice is the mattress. Uh -huh. But, you know, basically the mattress is pretty reasonably hard because obviously it's surrounded by ice. It's frozen covered... mattress. Pardon me? Frozen mattress. Frozen mattress, yes. Not quite frozen, but, yes, a little bit on the cold side. And it's covered with a reindeer skin. And, and you're, by the way, you're given a warm single or double sleeping bag containing a cotton sheet along with a pillow, mm -hmm. and you're told to wear thermal underwear and socks and possibly a hat and to close the sleeping bag around your face with only your nose and mouth exposed. Now, in other words, you do not need to wear layers and layers of clothing. I didn't. I actually didn't. I purchased thermal underwear for the first time before I left Australia, and you, know, you just go to one of those outdoors shops and and that was it i i did not wear anything else that was it uh so please don't think you've got to load yourself up with layer after layer to survive the minus five so the the other thing is you've got to be a bit careful I, one of the things that we were told is you don't basically uh, put your pillow straight straight against your you you can actually freeze your face to the pillow if you're not careful <laughs> Right, so so you don't need to shave, is what you're saying. You <laughs> yes. Sort of peel the frozen hair off. Exactly. So you've got to be a bit careful where you put things because minus five, yeah, obviously. However, that's why I'm saying you you close up your sleeping bag. It was fine, Chris. It was absolutely fine. The only thing my wife complained. Why did my wife complain? You might ask, Chris. Hey, Alex. Did your Chris, wife complain? And if she did, what did she complain about? I'm so pleased you asked me. She managed to find a way to manoeuvre off the, well, she, she basically woke up with her head on ice 
that wasn't a good experience and she found it difficult to sleep after that. Yeah, brain freeze is a terrible thing. It is a terrible thing, yeah. So I don't know how she managed that because I was fine. I was absolutely fine. I called her a wuss after that. So, you know, that that was all right. Nice to say that love is alive and well at your place. Exactly, exactly. And by the way, apart from the art suites, there are a number of ice hotel rooms that simply have a carved ice bed in them. So, I mean, obviously there's a differential in price depending upon whether you want to go to a very nice suite or whether you are happy to have a, a room that's basically got a bed in the middle of it. Suites included a lullaby suite, a tiger den or tiger's den. Suites with the themes of time and chess and wolves and so many more. And, of course, you get the chance to, once you're staying there, to, to go around and photograph them all. The Ice Hotel is located, as I say, in Yukus Yavi, this small village with more dogs than people. And, you know, we're talking about oh, probably 800 people live there. Mm-hmm. And each winter, about 50,000 visitors from all over the world come to see the Ice Hotel to experience the tranquility, to see the northern lights, if atmospheric conditions are right to see them. Were and you it, lucky enough to see the northern lights? Well, I'll, I'll tell you about that in the next couple of moments. Okay. All of the activities, of course, offered in Europe's last wilderness, and it's 200 kilometres north of the Arctic Circle. So that's where we were, right? That's why it's as cold as it is at that time of the year. And Ice Hotel covers about 5,500 square metres, constructed from 1,000 tonnes of Torn River Ice. That's T-O-R-N-E. And 30,000 tonnes of Snice. Now, do you know what snice is? I'll take a guess that it's snow that's compacted into ice. Yeah, it's a mixture of snow and ice. That's str- and that, that apparently strengthens the structure. It's also a very nice name. So that's nice. Well, it's a snice name. It's a snice name. And about 100 people are involved in construction of the Ice Hotel each year. Half of those are approximately artists, or approximately half of them are artists. And as I say, they're the ones especially... Pardon me, invited to design particular areas of the hotel. And the construction, by the way, is a year-round process. Between March and April, 5,000 tonnes of ice is harvested from the Torn River and it's kept in cold storage during the spring and the summer. And then construction, as I mentioned, starts in November, goes through to December and the ice hotel is then opened between December and mid-April and that's when everything begins to slowly melt and return to the Torn River. Nature is an intrinsic part of everything that Ice Hotel is all about, though, because, let's face it, that is the source of its building material, so those associated with a hotel care a great deal about the environment. Ice Hotel has actually taken quite a number of steps to reduce its environmental impact, including minimising transport and delivery emissions by choosing local producers and managing more of its services on-site. And they've been, since 2008, the the property has actually implemented energy-saving schemes across its hotel facilities. And it monitors energy consumption, for example, and environmental impact quite carefully. Is that but why in, they don't give you an electric blanket? That Yes, yes. Gee whiz, you're a very clever man, Christopher. And it encourages its suppliers to meet very, very high environmental standards. So... You've got guests being offered a number of experiences in this beautiful natural surrounding of Yukusyavi, and the hotel ensures the activities are sustainable and don't harm the grounds or the people who live there. 
that one of the things that you can do, there, there's a wide range of wilderness experiences with zero use of electricity or non-renewable fuels. So the hotel works closely with local landowners and owners and semi-villagers to continuously maintain sustainable levels of land use. And again, SAMI, S-A-M-I. So the long-term goal is for the ICE Hotel to become CO2 negative, so to produce more energy than guests and staff consume. So I think that's quite laudable. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm as much of an environmentalist as the next guy, but I, I like what they're trying to do. It's a and trick I, if they can manage it. Absolutely. And an ICE Hotel also offers a number of specialist activities, including a, a tour in convoy on snowmobiles to see the Northern Lights. And that includes dinner, the highlight of which is reindeer stew with a reindeer wrap for starters in a small hut in the middle of the pristine wilderness. So if you're Donna and Blitzen... You don't want to be anywhere near the ice hotel. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, the, the, no, I. Um, I mean, Daddy, I, why does Santa only have six reindeer this year? Exactly, because he went on holidays to the ice hotel. Yes, yes, yes. The um, by the way, the, the I mean, I had never tasted reindeer. Had you? Uh, I've never tasted reindeer. No, I'm not. I got to say, I don't eat much meat at all. Mm. I, I don't like red meat generally. Yeah. I. I, I eat chicken and I sometimes eat turkey. I'm going to guess not a lot of chicken around at, at the Ice Hotel. I didn't, I didn't ask for it. Frozen uh, chicken. Well, I, yes, frozen chicken. That's right. Yeah, you wouldn't need a freezer, would you? So with, with all of that, I, I wanted to taste it because, again, you go to these places and it's a new experience and, it was actually very. Uh, I, I liked it. I, I actually found it quite palatable. It was. It was. I mean, I, I'm trying to sort of. It wasn't a, as tough as I expected it to be. So we we did this snowmobile tour. Superb, absolutely wonderful, engaging, entertaining guide. One of the most brilliant things that I've ever done, quite frankly. And each of the snowmobiles held two people. All right. So there's one on the front, one on the back. And I was fortunate to be. My wife allowed me to be the driver. So, yeah, I mean, the top speed I got up to, and it was speed limited, I got up to 74 kilometres an hour. That's moving. Yeah. I mean, it's, I tell you what, it's, we drove oh, over quite a few hours. And when you're out there and it was sort of minus 20-ish, I mean, it was really nice and gold. The, the thing that I found, they've got a, um, they've got warmers for your, your fingers, right? When you're pressing the, I mean, you're engaging the snowmobile. Uh, that the, the ham, the arm, the hand rests, if you like, are warmed. The problem is that I, I was wearing two pairs of gloves, an inner and an outer, and your thumbs get cold because for some reason they're the most outer lying part of your hand. So you know, you, you're, I found my thumbs were getting getting cold. So I probably would have put on even a third pair of. Um, of gloves if I had the chance. I'm but, sure there was a James Bond film about that, Cold Finger. Very good. Thank very you very good. much. I'm here till Tuesday. Oh, Don't forget to tip your waitress. In fine form, sir, in fine form. So, yeah, we drove for a few hours, over 30 kilometres, and the tour started at the Ice Hotel at 7 o'clock in the evening, and we didn't get back until after 11.30 at night. So it was great. It was a really wonderful, wonderful experience. As I say, I... I, it was fascinating being in the middle of nowhere, pristine wilderness. We, we stopped a number of times as well, 
and you step out. I could only draw a parallel to a Mars bar. You know when you, you sort of, or sorry, not a Mars bar, an aero bar. <laughs> okay, this will be good. All right. The aero bar. Well, you know how the aero bar is, you know, that light, light chocolatey bar that's mm-hmm. got those sort of, you know, very, it, it's got the, what, what do you call it, almost a honeycomb type I, appearance. I, I, can, I can quote their, their old slogan, it's the bubbles of nothing that make it something. Very good. I yeah. couldn't remember that. But it, it's kind of like that when you're stepping off into the snow because my wife was the first one to do it. And she's not a giant, she's five foot in the old scale, but it basically, when she took one step, it sort of buried her virtually up to her midriff, a bit further actually. So it's powder snow, the likes of which I've not seen before. It was just magnificent, absolutely. And for for Australians who, okay, sometimes we, you, you could go up with the snow and, you know, during our winter, et cetera, but the amount of snow that there is and everywhere you look, and no sound, it's just beautiful. Absolutely, it would, one of the great things. If if it this this needs to be on your bucket list, Ice Hotel is a must do. It, it's something to save up your pennies for. It is definitely worth doing because I've not seen anything like it. I mean. As I say, 200 kilometres from the Arctic Circle, Chris. It's fabulous. You, you mentioned the silence there, and if you can, and it's getting harder and harder to find places where yes. where, where silence is like that. Uh, and when we get around in a future edition to talking about uh, uh, America, uh, I will. I'm not going to reveal it now. I'll, I'll, I'll tease it. Uh, but I, I found somewhere absolutely stunningly silent, so silent that even uh, when cars were approaching, they could be as close as 40 metres away and it was very hard to hear them. I'm not giving anything more away than, than that at the moment. But but to say, yeah, to find somewhere that is just silent, even if you go on a cruise ship holiday, for example, you might think, yeah, you're a long way out and it's silent, but you've got the constant noise and it's not a, a bad noise, but the constant noise of, of the water as the ship cuts through the water. So there's so there's noise there. Absolute silence or close to it is very hard to find. It happens to me more often, though, than you, Chris. Do you know why? Why? Because if I've had a fight with my wife... <laughs> oh, you're a dead man. <laughs> you are a dead man. It's all right. And, and I, I say, are you there? You know, is there anybody at home? That that doesn't help things at all. This could be the last edition of Travel First. It could well be. It could well be, absolutely. So, yeah, I was used to it, but it was a different experience because it was cold. So, <laughs> Oh, what, you mean when you've had a fight with your missus, the silence isn't cold? <laughs> 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 so, uh, but the, you you asked about the Northern Lights. I, I did. You did, and unfortunately, we didn't see them. We went out there. It was you, you don't know you, and and sometimes people will spend you know two or three nights there, and you might go out every night and hope that it's there. I mean, we thought the atmospheric conditions were pretty well spot on. Our guide suggested we might see it, but we didn't. Uh, so. It, it's simply an excuse for me to go back there on another occasion. Very, very, you know, it, when, when people said to me, oh, I must have been disappointing, tell you something, it was not. And I'll tell you why it wasn't, because the experience itself was so special. It was unique in my lifetime, and it's not something you're going to do every day. So just being there in that environment was very special. And who knows, hopefully uh, over the next... Uh, few years we might get the chance to go back to that that part of the world the following morning we went to an ice carving class 
during which one of the ice carvers at the hotel taught us how to create our own piece of art using a little ingenuity and a chisel. And, I mean, you know, you get some beautiful... By the way, they, these artists that come here, they could be wood carvers or they... they, they, they I mean, obviously, they're not going to carve ice necessarily year-round, but they're, they're obviously artists in, in working with different different materials. And it was... I found it remarkably straightforward. I mean... Uh, the this uh, the ice carver that we had has done ice carving for a number of years, but he started by carving his creations in stone and wood. Now, don't get me wrong; it, it's not as if we're going to create a masterpiece. But I mean, it, we we were sort of created a drinking glass in little more than an hour. Now, see, I thought you would have been more like Bill Murray in Groundhog Day, uh, you know, carving yes. carving the face of your loved one into the ice. Exactly, that's what I was going to say. Something like that would be well and truly beyond us, and it does pale into comparison to the remarkable creations on display in the art suites as well. At just before 11 o'clock that day, that and next day, we, we met we were met by a representative of a company called Fjellborg Arctic Journeys. F-R, well, it's F-J-E-L-L-B-O-R-G. Mm-hmm. F-J-E-L-L-B-O-R-G. Fjellborg Arctic Journeys. Started in the 1990s, one of two companies that operate husky rides for the Ice Hotel. So, Fjellborg Arctic Journeys was started by Kent, or it's, I think it's Kent Fjellborg, an eighth generation of the same family living in the area, trained by a local dog sledder, and then he began his own enterprise. And Ice Hotel operates daily dog sled excursions. So there, there are three one-and-a-half-hour trips each day during which time you stop for a hot beverage in the wilderness. In fact, you're actually taken to a little teepee. So a teepee is a good place to have tea. Uh, okay. Yeah, okay. Oh. And I won't uh, argue. No, don't. Don't. Please don't. Uh, and we did go on the dog sled. Absolutely amazing. Just it's, it's much quieter than I expected it to be, Chris. Mm-hmm. I, it really is. But... Fjellborg Arctic Journeys, they've got 130 dogs and they learn to run from the age of one and then they're constantly in, well, and in constant training. They're upskilled between September and November each year just before the winter kicks in and the company runs older and younger dogs together. All of them really friendly. Each of them has a name and there are 12 dogs on a team that pull a sled carrying four people. And just to give you an idea of the speed... Uh, about 15 kilometres an hour. Now, when I'm on a run, uh, I can do 10k an hour reasonably comfortably. So it's not overly fast, right? But as I say, I found it peaceful, quite a gentle ride. And I mean, it's just have you have you ever been on a dog sled ride, or have you taken any? No, like, no. It's 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 very special. Again, simply because. I expected it to be more boisterous than it was. Mm-hmm. I expected it to be less smooth. It, it was it was actually very smooth. So, you know, it was, and it's the great place to do it because everywhere you you look, there's just ice. You know, it's it's wonderful. And Ice Hotel also operates lunch trips every day across the Torn River to the neighbouring village, in which people can learn to control a sled by themselves without a guide if they chose to do it that way. We had a guide. I mean, you know, we were. We were sitting there like King King and Queen Muck. And that adventure, the, those l- lunch trips last for about four hours. And bear in mind, you're actually on a river, which is a river. But obviously during winter, 
it, it, it closes over and, you know, it's just mm-hmm. like any, any other piece of land. And I, I also know that Fjellborg Arctic Journeys offer overnight trips to a wilderness lodge and the opportunity to be picked up at, now this would be great, picked up at Karuna Airport by dog sled and dropped off at the ice hotel and vice versa. I oh, see, now you're talking. Yeah, now I reckon that would be special, wouldn't it, eh? Yeah, you, you, you want to make sure you didn't have too much luggage. Again, I don't think it's an issue. There's 12 dogs. Oh, okay, fair enough. Now, I really, yeah, great way to start your ice hotel adventure, though. So, by the way, next up, uh, the temperature plummeted. It was minus 26, right? So we decided we'd take a walk. Of course you would. Yes, why not? And you're so, an avid runner. Did you go for your run in, in Ice Hotel land? I, I Did I go for a run? I don't think I did, actually, Chris. I did I did when um, we got down. I think the coldest I got was about minus seven or eight, and I was running in that in Europe, and there was no issues there. In fact, I ran with just runners, uh, and people thought I was a mad bugger because you know how runners can slip? Mm. I, I'm somebody who's reasonably clumsy, and I fall a lot when I run in 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 Australia. I did not fall in Europe at all, and many days I was running in the in in the snow. I don't. I wasn't actually being extra cautious. I don't know why. Maybe, you know, the the, the one thing about running which is just delightful. It's a great way to explore a new place. You arrive somewhere, you've got your, you've got your running shoes, you know, while your wife's unpacking you and just sort of getting her bearings, you can go out for a quick half hour and it's, I, I just think it's a wonderful thing to do. I, I usually don't do that. I usually do it the next morning, whatever, whatever it is, um, and, and I sort of sometimes forego breakfast to allow that to happen. But we, we took a walk nearly a kilometre in minus 26 degrees uh, and we, we went to where the native Sami people offer the chance to see and feed local reindeer and explore the native culture. So, I mean, when you come to Yukosyavi, you also come to a, a place called Sampi, or Sapmi, I think, which is the Sami people's own name for their land, uh, which stretches over four countries. So the, the Sami people sort of claim sovereignty in Norway, Sweden, Finland and Russia. And the area is often called Europe's last remaining wilderness. So there you go. It'd be nice to actually control four countries. You know, you're you're at the crossroad of four lands. Wouldn't that be a nice thing to do? Oh, well, I do that in my dreams every night. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you, you can be King Muck. So, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think I mean, it, it's um, it's SAPMI, S-A-P-M-I. Uh, it, it's the sort of cultural region traditionally inhabited by the the Sami people, traditionally known in English as LAPS, L-A-P-P-S. So you get, hence endeth my my very uh, sort of sketchy uh, history lesson. But the, the Sami or, or the Lapish people that live there speak their own language. They've got their own culture, so much like Indigenous Australians. And many have a strong connection to reindeer herding. I mean, about 10% of the Sami people in Sweden live off reindeer husbandry. Mm-hmm. And among the other trades, they're, they're fishers and they're, they're hunters and, and, and they do craft work. And, of course, now tourism is a big thing for them. Approximately 80,000 Sami people, 20,000 of whom live in Sweden, right? So this is what I'm saying, Sweden, Norway, Finland, Russia, 20,000 of these live in, live in Sweden. So when it comes to activities outside the Ice Hotel, the hotel itself offers a slew of them. You've got the snowmobiles I've mentioned. Now, this would be a lot of fun. Mini miners, 
right? You can hoon around on mini miners in the snow. <laughs> that would be great fun. You've got the dogs. You've got the reindeer. You can do reindeer rides, horses, and, of course, the ice carving and skiing, as well as the overnight wilderness lodge and log cabin adventures. And that afternoon I spent photographing the art creations in the art suites at the Ice Hotel and inside the Ice Hotel church and the Ice Hotel bar. I mean, that spent, you know, it was very nice because it means you've got a lasting memory, obviously, in your, your camera. One thing I noticed, when you're using your iPhone or even your camera, uh, it tends to seize up because of the cold. <laughs> right? And and you just have to sort of wait for it to warm up before you can use it again. It just closes down. I, I'm not sure. There must be ways and means. I mean, I'm not... A, you're more of a photographer than I am, Chris. There must be ways and means of preventing that. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's something I'd have to look into. But, yeah, there, there's a, there's something to add into it when we get around to doing a... Um, yeah, yeah about, a, a full-on photography edition of Travel First, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that th th there'd have to be a, a casing or something that would at least make it last longer. I, I, I'll tell you what, I've got a friend who's a photographer. I'll ask him, and, and in a future edition, we will report back. Sounds great. Sounds good. That that was a really full day for us. At 7.30 that night, we were treated to one of the best meals that I've had in my life, Chris. Four-star banquet at Ice Hotel's Fine Dining Restaurant. The MasterChef par excellence, Alexander Meyer, M-E-I-E-R. What a champion of culinary cuisine this man is. He's from Geneva in Switzerland. He studied to be a chef in a two- Michelin star restaurant in Geneva and among other jobs he's had in the industry he worked as wait for this a private chef for a presidential family that's not a bad that's, that's not a bad rap yeah and so I I was more than happy to be served by Alexander Meyer he's been he was when we were there a year ago or so he'd been at the ice hotel for about five years and as head chef he gave both my wife and I this four course menu my wife had what is called the ice menu, meaning that every dish was served on a tablet of ice. Her first dish was bleak roe, R-O-E, served with creme fraiche and red onions. Oh, yum. Mm. Then followed a cured and slightly smoked Arctic char and mousse with fennel puree. The third dish was reindeer with Jägermeister sauce and ca carrot puree potato fondant with cloudberry gel. Don't tell me this is an exotic. And dessert consisted of a chocolate mousse with caramel chul and raspberry sorbet. That was my wife's dinner. Now, I'm very much into health health food, right? No, I, I, no oils and butters and fats and whatever. So he said, don't know, that's fine. Just tell me what you don't eat. And so I asked him to make me a tasty meal without salt, pepper, oil, butter, margarine, vinaigrettes or sugar. Not only did he do that, Chris, he excelled in a way nobody else ever had. First up, special melt-in-your-mouth vegetable soup. Then I had elk with special chocolate-tasting sauce. Oh, nice. Followed by reindeer with red wine sauce, a hot potato in the jacket and other vegetables, followed by several flavours of sorbet. Yum, yum, yum. It was just delicious, Chris. What a genius. And I, I really say that 
without you know without any hesitation what a genius alexander meyer was i i just loved it absolutely one of the best meals that i've ever tasted and you have to go 200 kilometres from the Arctic Circle to savour it. <laughs> well, if it's worth travelling that far for, then it's good to hear that it was worth travelling that far for. Exactly. And by the way, after we spent one night in the cold and my wife sort of managed to miss the uh, <laughs> miss the, the warmth within the, the ice hotel, we, we did then spend a night in the hotel's warm rooms, a regular hotel room, in anticipation of an early wake-up call to catch our flight at 6 a.m. or 6.05 a.m. the following morning. And it was all up. It was just a brilliant experience at the Ice Hotel. One of the greatest things we've ever done. As I say, it should be on everybody's bucket list. I mean, no question about that at all. Ice Hotel is well, well, well worth preparing for. And, you know, it's... um, By the way, we received a um, wake-up call at 4.05 a.m., Chris, and the hotel had prepared a brown paper bag breakfast, which I thought was great. Oh, that's nice. That was lovely. And and a taxi was there to pick us up, whisk us to the airport at 4.45 a.m. And as I say, temperature at the time, a very chilly, negative 31.5 degrees. And this is when the taxi driver had sort of said that a decade ago, he experienced minus 48 degrees. And, and um, yeah, he, he simply said, I asked him whether he could notice the difference and he indicated he could because cars struggle to actually move. So <laughs> I figured, yeah, fair enough. And we, we had an SAS flight back uh, to Stockholm. And, uh, yeah, it was it was just a great experience, Chris. It, it really is special. And uh, I would commend Ice Hotel to all of you. And you've got to get in early because it's very, very popular. Uh, indeed, indeed. So make your bookings now for, uh, for, for the coming northern winter. Absolutely. Definitely do that. And... I'll catch you again next week. Indeed. Next week, uh, we're, we're taking a diversion away. In fact, we've got a bonus edition coming up, taking a diversion away from Europe. We're going to give you a quick look at some of the theme parks in the United States. So that's coming up in the next edition of Travel First, which will be available soon. Just keep coming back to uh, uh, catch us on Travel First. Alex First, we'll catch you again in a couple of days' time. Excellent. Thank you very much indeed, Chris. Cheers now. You've been listening to Travel First. For more, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to the full podcast at Audioboom, Stitcher and iTunes or your favourite podcast distributor. This has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com. From Audioboom comes Covert, a new podcast that delves into the murky world of spies soldiers, and top-secret military operations. I'm Jamie Rennell, and together we'll discover the real stories of history's greatest classified missions, told by the operatives, soldiers, and journalists who experienced it firsthand. Follow Covert on Spotify, or subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite shows.